You know, when it comes to Christmas, there is one unresolvable tension that has existed for decades, if not hundreds of years. Well, probably more decades than hundreds of years. And that is fake or real. When it comes to your Christmas tree, what is best? Fake or real? You know, the Blairs, we've always been real tree people, and that goes back to uh, Edwina and Maya's respective childhood. We've always had a real tree, always in our, in our family. And, and because we like real trees because they're, well, they're real. <laughs> so that's one of the reasons why we like them. A real tree makes Christmas real for us. A real tree makes Christmas real for us. But I know a lot of people, maybe even many people here this morning or online, we don't like real trees because they make a mess. Who doesn't like real trees simply because of the mess they make? A few people. <laughs> Do you put that hand down, Jason? <laughs> but we, we love Christmas. We love real Christmas trees because for us, Christmas is above everything else. And maybe this is, you know, I might get a lightning bolt from heaven on this one. For us, Christmas is a smell. Christmas is a smell and we get this incredible smell of a Christmas tree. And as soon as we smell that, that Christmas, that, 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 that piney smell, we go, oh, it's Christmas. It's so good. We just love the smell of a real Christmas tree. That's why we continue to get it. But one of the other reasons why we have a real Christmas tree each year is because the tree is never perfect. It has its imperfections. Sometimes we get trees that you can't put the, you can't put the star on the top. We've got, to, we've got to cable tie the star to the top of the tree because otherwise it'll fall over. Sometimes you've got to twist the tree around in its base to hide the flat spot or hide the big hole that you find in the Christmas tree. You've just got to manoeuvre it around just to hide it to try and get the best, the, the best aspect of the tree. But reality is that our trees are never perfect. And one of the reasons why we like real trees is because it's the best representation of life. Because life is not perfect. Real trees represent real life. Because rarely are our lives perfect. Rarely is everything ideal and picture perfect when it comes to our lives. Everybody thinks when it comes to social media, look how perfect my life is. Really? Is life really like that for you? See, for us, when it comes to Christmas, real Christmas trees represent real life. And as much as we may have the perfect image of what Christmas is to be like, and we try to make Christmas as perfect as possible, we know that real Christmas is anything but perfect. Perhaps the tension between your ideal Christmas and reality is something like we're going to watch in this clip in a few moments time because it represents perhaps what our families and what Christmas is really like. Now, we can do real this morning, can't we? we we're, we're okay. We're secure enough to do real this morning. We're secure enough to deal with some real language that may come up in family from time to time. We're okay to do that? Yeah? The reality is that for so many of us, our Christmas gatherings aren't perfect. You know, there's tension and there's conflict and there's pressure and demands leading up to Christmas. And then when you get to the day itself, there's still tension and conflict and pressure and demands on the day as well. So today what I want to talk about is how do we get through a real family Christmas? And I know that this may be hard for some of us here today, considering our own family experiences, considering our own family dynamics. But my heart is wanting to help all of us have, to have the type of Christmas experiences that we hope to have with our, with our families. 
both not only this Christmas but into the, into the future as well, for our Christmases to be as good as they can be. Now, we all live in hope of what God can do in our families. But as much as it's up to us, there are some things that we could try to make our Christmases um, as good as they can be with our families. And so we're going to be talking about, about some of the things that we can do to maybe have that experience this year and into the years ahead. You know, often we wonder about what Jesus would do in particular situations. But often we need to simply do what Jesus did rather than simply wondering what Jesus would do. I'm not sure if you ever thought about this. Why don't we actually do what Jesus did? I'm not trying to spend all that time, well, what would Jesus do in this particular situation? What does the bracelet refer to? What are we you know, trying to work that out? So today we're going to try and understand about some of the options that we can use by what Jesus did to help us when there's a potential for our Christmas, our family Christmas, to be very real rather than the ideal. And I mean, the last thing that, w- that any of us would want, I would imagine, is to remember Christmas and now as not being the day when we celebrate Jesus coming into the world, but we now remember Jesus as the time when that occurred in our family. You know, when things blew up, when that situation occurred, and now all that you can remember when you think of Christmas now is actually that thing that unfolded within your family. I want to try and make sure that Christmas remains that joyous time and not be tainted by some unfortunate and regrettable situations that can happen within our family situations. And I know that some of us, unfortunately, are living with that memory all today only too well. So to get us through a potentially real family Christmas, you may consider doing any or all of these things, and I recognise that some of them are a little bit clichéd, but that doesn't make them any less true. So, you know, I wonder how many of us will actually go into our family Christmas gathering not happy, not excited, but rather we have feelings of dread and anxiousness about going into our family Christmas gathering. I mean, you know what your family is like. You know what could happen. You know what has happened in the past. And so you're actually feeling perhaps a little bit more nervous and dread and anxious about going to that family gathering. I wonder if any of us here today that would describe how you're feeling about the possible family gathering in a bit over a week's time. So one of the things we can do is actually do what Jesus did. You know, so before you, you actually get to the, to the family's house that you're going to or before people start arriving, there are some things that you can do to try and help you with a real family Christmas. Now, I'm sure that our families are not like this. But remember before going into the lion's den of the next day with all the religious leaders who were going to accuse Jesus and beat Jesus and send him on to Pontius Pilate to be crucified, to sentence to death. What did Jesus do before he went into the day? Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane the night before and prayed for the events ahead. You know, Jesus knew he had to go through that. And some of us know that we have to go through our family gatherings, don't we? 
But Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed to his Father in heaven for help, for reassurance, for peace, for what he knew he had to go through. Now, and I'm in no way saying that what we may go through with our families at Christmas time is anywhere near what Jesus went through at the cross. I'm not comparing that in any way. But nonetheless, we can learn from what Jesus did when we're going to go through a situation that we know we have to go through, but which we may not want to go through. Jesus, before he went through it, he prayed. You know, prayer sets you and your situation before God. Prayer is your request. It is your invitation for God to bring you peace and reassurance. Prayer is the avenue for God to deal with your worry and your anxiousness about getting together with family. Prayer is the mechanism for God to provide you what you need most when it comes to your interactions with your family members. Jesus knew he had to go through what was going to unfold in the hours ahead, but yet he prepared himself by praying first, asking God to come and help him to be able to get through it. He started with prayer. I wonder, are you already praying about your real Christmas that you might have with your family? Is prayer even enter into it? Why don't we do what Jesus did and pray before going through it for God to help us have a great Christmas? But so out of... One of the things that we can pray about, ultimately, as much as we may pray for that family member who, you know, may be a little bit of trouble, mostly we just pray for us, don't we? I wonder how many of us actually pray for the disposition, for our disposition going into our family gatherings. You know, there was an interesting time, a situation with Jesus one time and his disciples that showed us something about disposition in our interactions with people. From Matthew 17, it says this. It says, After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the true drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. When Peter came to the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon, he asked. From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes, from their own children or from others? Well, from others, Peter answered. And Jesus said, Then the children are exempt. But so that we may not cause offence, go to the lake, throw in your line, take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Notice here from this story that Jesus makes it very clear that he, is not, he and the disciples are not obligated to pay the temple tax. Jesus is saying, if we are all children of God, well, obviously he's the son of God, and if we then are part of God's family, then God doesn't really demand us to pay a tax for his temple. The kids, the children, don't need to do that. So that's what Jesus was effectively saying. In other words, Jesus is saying we have every right to refuse paying this, this tax on principle. Now, they could refuse, they could dig their heels in, they could make a big deal about this, but Jesus knew the impact that that would have upon the people that he's interacting with. So what did Jesus do? He orchestrated a miracle. A miracle, not only to again affirm that who he was as God, but also 
so that he would not cause offence to the people who would be easily offended. So Jesus would not deliberately cause themselves to get offside with the people that they are going to interact with. A disposition. Now, many, many years ago, I remember a time when my dad was going, was, was really stressed out about a job interview that he had. He was, he was so stressed about it, and to make matters worse, his briefcase wouldn't open. And he needed to take his briefcase with him to put all the stuff he needed to take with him to the job interview. Briefcase wouldn't open. Now, I was in my room studying at the time, and, and then I heard my dad ranting and raving to mum about why the briefcase wouldn't open. And then, and then I heard my father's footsteps coming towards my room. But it wasn't just nice, quiet little footsteps. It was footsteps with emotion. There was a great gravity behind his footsteps. I knew what was coming. And so in those moments when I heard my dad's footsteps coming towards me, I had made a plan about what I was going to do. Door flies open. Dad accuses me of tinkering with his briefcase. It's like, it's my fault. Bam, straight back at him. I took the moment to prepare to return serve to my dad and things blew up even more blew up. I could have diffused the situation if I really wanted to, or at least I could have, I, I may not have been even able to add to the situation, but that's not what I chose to do. My disposition, what I prepared to do, was to cause offence to my father. No matter what he said to me, I was going to cause offence to him and it affected my relationship with my father profoundly as a result of doing that. But that's not what Jesus did, is it? I wonder how many of us go into our family Christmases prepared to have a fight. If they come to us, we don't care about causing offence because we feel like we have a right to. They're going to come against us with that. I have a right to respond. I have a right to cause you offence. And so we are actually, our disposition going into our family Christmases is saying, bring it on. If you want to go there, bring it on. I'm not going to diffuse the situation. But is that what Jesus did? Jesus knew that the situation was already tense, potentially had some tension there, but he, what did he do? He diffused the situation by having a disposition of being peaceable and not offending the people that he's interacting with. That's his disposition. He wasn't wanting to cause offence. So I wonder how that may help some of us in us going into our Christmas functions. Are you going with a disposition to return serve if it comes against you? Or are you going with a disposition of I'm going to be peaceable and not wanting to cause offence? Now, having said that, though, we can't ignore the fact that Jesus also stood up and addressed issues when need be. You see, what we have to remember is that Jesus chose his battles and chose his battlefields. Soon after Jesus entered Jerusalem to the cheers and celebration of all the people, as what we know to be the Palm Sunday triumphal entry into Jerusalem, after that big celebration, one of the next things we read is this from Matthew 21. It says, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. 
It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're turning it into a, making it into a den of robbers. Now, what we have to remember is that this is not Jesus' first time into the temple in Jerusalem. In fact, as a good Jew, per, Jewish person, Jesus would have at least gone to the temple at least three times every year for the big Jewish festivals. So this would not have been the first time that Jesus would have seen all the money changers and the animal merchants there in the temple. But this was the first time that he addressed it. Now, it's not like it wasn't an issue before, it was. But timing is everything. Jesus chose the right time to address the issue. So considering how important Christmas is to you and how important Christmas is to your family, the celebration of joy and peace in the coming of Jesus, my question is this, is Christmas Day the best day to have the battle? Is Christmas Day the best day to have the battle? I'm not saying that the issue shouldn't be addressed, but is Christmas the best day to do it? Perhaps you might want to address the issue in January or February or even March for that, issue, for, for, for that matter. But is Christmas the best day to go there? See, regardless of you, what you may think of TV's Dr. Phil, he says, choose your battles and choose your battlefields. So what that means is that we have to decide whether or not the issue is worth addressing or not. And we are the ones who have to decide when and where that issue needs to be addressed, if it does in fact need to. We have to pick our battles and pick our battlefields. And we've got to ask this question, is Christmas the day to do that? Now, the next thing that you might be able to consider doing, and which is perhaps the hardest thing that many of us will ever do when it comes to family. Now, in a few moments, there's something that I want us to say out aloud together. It's a, it's a, it, it is a, some words that I want us to say together. Now, it's a little bit unorthodox. Now, you ready? I want us to say it together. Group participation. We ready? Whatever comes next on the screen, I want us to say it out loud. You ready? Go. No. Now, the people pleasers amongst us go, there is no way that I could say no to my family particularly at Christmas time. But the, the reality is sometimes no is often the best thing that you can say to family, particularly at Christmas. But do you have permission? Do you feel like you have permission to say no to family? Do you feel like you have permission to say, no, I won't do that. No, I can't do that. No, I don't like that. No, I don't agree with that. To what extent do you feel like you have permission to say no to family? Because when it comes to Christmas, Christmas is supposed to be the most agreeable time of the year, isn't it? So in other words, Christmas is a time when you're supposed to say yes to everything, isn't it? But the reality is, Christmas is about Jesus. So did Jesus always say yes? Did Jesus say yes to every demand, every expectation? Did Jesus say yes to all of them? He simply say yes. Well, let's have a look at a couple of examples. It says from Matthew 12, it says, And some teachers of the law and some Pharisees spoke up. Teacher, they said, asking Jesus, we want to see you perform a miracle. 
How evil and godless are the people of this day, Jesus exclaimed. You ask me for a miracle? Note the word. No. The only miracle you'll be given is the miracle of the prophet Jonah, which was referring to Jesus' resurrection after being killed and buried on Good Friday. No, he said, I'm not going to give you a miracle. Let's look at another one. It says, someone, someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, I have a problem with my brother. Okay, so we've got a family issue here. Our father has died. Tell my brother to give me part of the things that our father has left us. Jesus replied, It's not my job to say which of you is right or wrong. And it's not my job to say how much each of you should have. You know, sometimes, particularly at Christmas, we feel obligated to say yes. And sometimes we say yes to not cause offence, like I talked about earlier, and that is legitimate. But sometimes Christmas is a time when we have to say no, and particularly to family. You have to give yourself permission to say no, not merely saying no to the criminal or the highly immoral, but also saying no to things like this. We need to say no to family when someone, as a result of that, could become unhealthily dependent upon us if we say yes. Because sometimes, if we say yes, we're enabling family members in unhealthy patterns of behaviour. So sometimes we need to say no for them to be able to do it themselves. Sometimes we've got to say no. But like we saw from the example of the last example of interactions with Jesus, sometimes we are forced, family tries to force us to take sides in family disputes. Anyone ever had that experience before? And so they want to draw you in for you to say yes about this. I'll be on this side of the family. But sometimes we need to say no, like Jesus. What Jesus did to say, I don't want to be involved in this. You've got to sort that out for yourself. Don't draw me into that. I'm going to say no. I'm not going to be involved. Now, we don't say no simply because we couldn't be bothered with our family. We don't say no, you know, when our family asks us for help. We are supposed to say help, say yes to our family. But sometimes we've got to say no, particularly if a yes will deeply affect our relationship with our family, both at Christmas and after Christmas as well. So you've got to give yourself permission to say no. But giving yourself permission to say no even goes to allowing you to do something which may be needed most and which may be unconscionable when it comes to Christmas. In a part of the Christmas story that many of us will be familiar with, this is how the story goes. It says, On coming to the house, the Magi saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped the baby Jesus. Then they opened their treasures and presented him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. And when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt and stay there until, you, uh, until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where they stayed until the death of Herod. Now what we have to remember is that King Herod was Jewish. He was part of the Jewish nation. He was part of the Jewish family. But he seemed to have no problems wanting to see, see the baby Jesus be executed. Now, the king is supposed to protect 
He's Jewish people. But he didn't, have, he didn't want to protect them. He wanted to harm them. One of his family. Now, sadly, there are people in our families who, after, particularly after a little bit of drink, they just take no prisoners. They bring all sorts of hate and judgment and inappropriate things to the gathering, even to those in their own family. So one of the things we must feel that we could do to get through a real family Christmas is sometimes we need to withdraw for our own protection, just like Jesus did. Sometimes it means not going at all, as hard as that may be. Sometimes it means ensuring you don't get bailed up by that family member and sitting as far away from them as possible from the Christmas table. Sometimes it's getting out of the house for a time. I heard someone suggest that one of the great things you can do is saying if you arrive at a family gathering and you've got a whole lot of stuff with you that you brought along with you, leave some of it in the car. Take the chocolate inside, but leave some of the stuff in the car. Don't take it all in at once because then you have a legitimate reason to go out and have a break from the house to go out. Oh, I've got, I've got to get something from the car and then you can go and have a break if you need to. We learn from the Christmas story that self-protection and separating ourselves from potentially harmful situations is sometimes the best and only option for us. And as we see in that part of the Christmas story, removing ourselves often also comes with God's guidance and blessing. Because what we have to remember, God is concerned about your emotional, your relational and your physical protection. So for some of us, we've got to give ourselves permission to even remove ourselves from the situation for part of the time, if not for all of the time. Because we know how real our family Christmases could be. So if you think your Christmas has the potential to be more real than ideal, then perhaps you may want to consider praying, praying over the the situation beforehand, just like Jesus did. That you may want to consider deliberately avoiding causing offence, having a disposition of being peaceable, taking the higher road, taking the high road, instead of being having a disposition of wanting to engage in potential offence-causing behaviour. Do what Jesus did. Perhaps you want to pick your battles and your battlefields just like Jesus did. And got to ask yourself the question, is Christmas Day the best day to go there? Pick it up at a later time. Giving yourself permission to say no to family. And also... If you need be, separating yourself from the situation for part of the time, if not for all of the time, if you need to. Now, my hope and prayer is that at all of our Christmas gatherings into the future, these things I've talked about this morning we'll never have to use, but sometimes we just don't know sometimes a family, do we? Sometimes our families are complicated. Sometimes. They're hard work. Sometimes they have and they could cause incredible problems. Now, even though Christmas is supposed to be 
the time of joy and happiness. And we celebrate the coming of Jesus, our Saviour. Often for a lot of our family members, that's completely lost on them. But may it be that it's not lost on us. I wonder what would happen if we brought more of the faith, hope and love of Jesus into our Christmases and our family Christmases, what may happen. I wonder if we brought more of the faith, hope and love of Jesus in it and brought what Jesus did into the situations that I wonder how much transformation may happen in our families, maybe even happen within us as a result of that. You know, we have to remember that Jesus came to deal with our real. He didn't come to make life fake or have a veneer of perfection. Jesus came to deal with our real. And for us then to have a true and abundant experience of what God defines as love, as life for us. And have a true and abundant experience of God himself. That's why Jesus came. But sometimes it's really hard for us to have that experience. And families are often really hard work. And some of us, we don't enjoy this time of year because of what it means family-wise. Now, I know that maybe for some of us who are listening, who are in the room this morning or maybe online this morning, this has really struck a chord with you considering your experiences. Now, in a few moments' time, we're going to, Mark and Denise are going to finish off our service with one final song. But this is an opportunity for us to maybe to seek prayer, to do the first thing that Jesus did as you embark upon celebrating Christmas this year, to come out and seek prayer for your particular family situation or maybe anything else that's going on in your world right now. So with that, I, I, I might ask if, if, if uh, Diane, if you could make yourself available, please, and John, I oh, know no, John's going to lead um, fr fr from, from there. Um, John Owens, if you, could, if you could make yourself available too, please, that would be great. We'll just be up the back there and we would love to pray with you if you need prayer for, for your Christmas. Because we ultimately remember that Jesus is our model. Jesus is who we base our life on. And we can learn about how to deal with family through what Jesus modelled to us. And so let, us, let our Christmas this year be real. Let, our, let us have a real family Christmas with all its quirks, or maybe like we saw in the clip before. But let us have a type of Christmas that's real because Jesus is real in the midst of our family Christmas. May that be our experience this year. I pray that your family gatherings, whatever that may look like for you, is full of joy and is full of peace. And the things that I've spoken about may not apply to you. If that's the case, praise God for that. But maybe this morning has helped us, some of us, if not all of us, about knowing when our family can get a little bit real rather than the ideal. Will you join me in prayer? Lord God, I give you thanks and praise that this morning that you have helped us prepare to have a great Christmas this year. Lord, we want to believe that there will be, the Christmas period will be full of joy and celebration of, the, of our Saviour's coming into the world. But we know also, Lord God, that many people listening to my voice right now, our families are difficult and complicated. And there have been things in the past that will have the potential for things to be very real into the future. And so, Lord God, I pray that you might 
help us, prepare us for as long as it's up to us that we can help make a more positive Christmas experience for us and our families. Lord, I want to thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for what you've modelled to us and what we can learn and how we can apply that into our relationships, particularly our relationships with family at Christmas time. But Lord, I want to pray for all those people in particular who need your special comfort, your special strength, your special miracle to occur with their family situations this Christmas. Lord, I really want to pray a blessing upon those people in particular who need it. Lord, we turn to you, Lord Jesus. Even though we recognise you as a baby at Christmas time, we celebrate you as the man, our Messiah, our Saviour, who you were always going to be and who you remain to be today. Lord, we need you so much, but we rejoice so much in this Christmas time. I'm going to pray this now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 